0: Work hard for what you want in life. You work hard for what you want in life. That, that, that your word is your bond that you do what you say you're going to do. That your word is your bond and you do what you say. Hold that on. you treat people with dignity and respect. That you treat, treat 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 people with respect. Reach of your dreams and your willingness to work hard. The strength of your dreams and your willingness to work for them. Work hard. Work hard. Work hard. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the blessed and bossed up podcast. Before we get started, I want to remind you guys of the God is my CEO challenge. So you guys hear me talk about it every single week about how I've surrendered everything to God about how God is my CEO about how everything that I do in my life and especially in business has to be ordered um, by God. And I know a lot of you guys sometimes struggle with how to practically apply that. So what does it look like to surrender my business? What what Where do I even fit in as the manager of this business if God is the CEO? How does that work? And so, um, of course, I wrote my book, Blessed and Bossed Up, Surrender Your Ambition So God Can Have His Way. And with this God is My CEO Challenge, we're going to take a lot of my principles from that book and make them applicable over an eight-day period. So for you guys that don't know, the number eight is actually the number of new beginnings. So it is my prayer that... After going through this eight day challenge that you were able to have a new beginning with God as your CEO and a new understanding of what that means and what life looks like at that point. Um, So in order to sign up for the challenge and to learn more information about what we're going to be talking about every day, go to bit.ly slash God is my CEO challenge. I will also put the link And the description of the episode so that you can just click on there and go right to it Uh, You do have to pre-order the book in order to sign up So once you purchase the book at blessedandbossedup.com Just enter into your uh, receipt number to sign up for the challenge And I look forward to talking to you guys and holding you accountable More importantly to everything that's going to be going on throughout the course of the challenge So now that we got that out the way on to today's episode Now, last week, I talked a lot about focusing on what he said as opposed to what you see. And as you guys know, this podcast is very much so my life in real time. And I um, and that was something I was really dealing with last week and that I continue to deal with, if I'm being honest. And um, but last week after recording that episode, I really applied a lot of the things that I mentioned over the sh- uh, over the course of the episode. And I I saw some noticeable changes in my week by making some very seemingly small adjustments. And so I wanted to go over those today. And it's crazy because I was really struggling with just stressing or trying not to stress. It's crazy. So I would be stressing about where I want to be as opposed to where I am. And then I would get mad at myself about stressing about it. Because again, surrender all of God, you're supposed to have this, this sense of peace. And so it was always just this battle of me being or who I am naturally versus who I'm walking in as a woman of God. So anytime you try to do something for God, there's always going to be that type of spiritual warfare, I guess, and the and you constantly die into your own habits in order to do what God wants you to do. And so that's pretty much where, where I was at. So I would be stressed about where I was at and then upset with myself for being stressed. So that would lead to more stress. So I, I know I'm not the only person that is like that. But I'm an overachiever. So for me, if I feel like I'm not doing something to the best of my ability, or if I feel like I'm not doing something in excellence, then a lot of times I do beat myself up about it. And so that's something else. I just have to remind myself that it's okay to not be perfect or not to get an A at all times. But again, it's just one of those things that I constantly just have to remind myself of. But anyway, I was in that point of having a higher sense of stress. And so I was like, I have to do something. After doing the episode with you guys and giving you all of these tips and tools and things like that, I still have to go right back to my regular life. And so I was like, okay, I have to make some adjustments and then if they work great because then I'll be able to talk about it on the podcast and so I did make those adjustments so like I said I went from stressed, and throughout the week I realized and I think I tried to tweet about it but it was hard to to put in however many characters tweets are now so I knew I wanted to talk about it today Um, but I just felt so different and throughout the week, I was more, my ideas were more of quality. And by quality, my, I mean, I was having ideas for business that were more centered around not only just my purpose, but the long-term goals I have and and my future husband has for our life. And so um, as opposed to me just feeling like I have to do something because it makes sense or I have to do something because that's going to make me the most money right now, I was able to, to really take like a... A step back in a sense to really make sure that my ideas were centered around what I want for my life, what God has for me, as well as um, the big picture just overall. So my ideas were just a lot more of quality. Um, I was a lot more calm. Wasn't really stressed out this week. I was a lot happier. I had a lot more joy. Um, and for no particular reason, I mean, nothing, nothing really exciting or nothing that stands out really happened. But I was just able to be more calm, at peace, relaxed and just happy in those day to day small moments that otherwise I might have been spending thinking about what I want to do next or thinking about why something, uh, why I would want something to be different or thinking about what I could be doing better. I was just able to just chill my mind was not running 50, 11 miles a minute as it usually does. And once I realized these changes in myself, I was like, wow, I think I've said this before of how your input equals your output. And I realized that those small adjustments to my input really changed the way that I felt on a day-to-day basis and really just gave me a better quality of life without some drastic event happening or without some miraculous prayer being answered. I was just in a better space in that day-to-day. So a couple of the things that I did was, of course, I told you guys I was limiting my social media use. Now, I didn't go cold turkey. Like I wasn't just, I'm never getting on Instagram. It wasn't anything like that. I was just conscious about limiting my use. So I deleted apps off my phone. I would get back on it periodically because a lot of people do DM me like questions for the podcast. And so I like to screenshot them so I don't forget or so they don't get lost in my DMs. But, um, or people may ask me questions in my DMs. So every now and then I would log on and maybe like respond to something or I might post something here and there. But I was not as much of a consumer as I have been. Um, in the past. And so just that small thing of just eliminating um or not eliminated, but eliminating, but limiting my social media use helped. It also made me think too about the long term for me. Once I realized that something as small as backing away from social media, some was so impactful for me, it had me thinking, like, okay, how can I make sure that I still reach the level of success that I want to reach? And I'm still connecting with my audience without having to be so online. So we have a lot of people who do get famous and hot and have these large followings and make a lot of money off of social media. And so that provides so much opportunity in your business. But for me, it's like, I don't want to do that. I think leaving that money on the table is worth it for me for me to just be able to live my life in real time. And it's worth it for me to just have the peace of mind and not being so addicted to my phone. And so um, just again, just making that small adjustment of limiting social media, it had a huge impact on me. And so I was really thinking, even from a business standpoint of, okay, Tatum, you have to now, since since I now realize how impactful that is, now you have to be a little bit more creative if you're not going to be on social media as much. Now, I'm not saying I'm not going to be online, but what I am saying is I'm not going to be posting my every single move or I'm not going to be... Doing photo shoots all the time to have pictures to post on social media and I'm not going to be going live every single day. I'm going to do those things sporadically, but it's not going to be like an integral part of my business because that's just not a part of the life that I want to live. And I think that's that's something that you guys could really take home and think about as well. When it comes to building your business, a lot of times in the beginning, we just do what people tell us to do or what we think is what we're supposed to be doing as entrepreneurs. We're creating social profiles on every single thing because we feel like that's what should, what we should be doing. And we are um, downloading all of these apps to make sure we're doing this. We're doing these photo shoots like we're doing all of this stuff be in the name of marketing when one, we don't even really know why we're doing it or there's really no real marketing plan attached to it that shows you what your return on investment is, like the person who I um, answered a question for last week. So that's one problem a lot of people have. And then the second one is we don't actually stop to consider what type of life we wanna live and if that falls into it. And I always knew I didn't want to, live my life on social media. Um, I thank God that I was born in like that grace period where uh, social media and technology were advancing, but I still very much so had a childhood of going outside and having to be in before the streetlights was on. And the the internet, I think MySpace came out when I was in like middle or high school, but I was definitely in college when Instagram came out. So I know what life is like, and I appreciate life without social media. But I also understand the importance of it. So, and I knew that because of that, I didn't want to live a life on social media. But I thought that it was something I, I that I would just have to do for the time being. So I always would say, like, okay, I'm gonna give myself until thirty. Then after thirty, I need to have enough assets or cash flow to where I don't have to be on social media. I can kind of just flow fly below the radar in a sense, but still be wealthy. But this last week of kind of just distancing myself, what I realized is I'm not trying to wait until I'm 30 to feel like I I can actually get off social media. What I need to be doing instead is figuring out how can I still connect with my audience and how can I still um, be strategic w- with my marketing without having to be online. Because even as it relates to, let's say, my relationship, my fiance doesn't have social media. So when he and I are together, it's an expectation that we're not on our phones. Like if we, we may be in a car or something, and I'm taking pictures, but if we are on a date or something like that, or if we're just hanging out or spending quality time together, It's an expectation of I'm not going to be addicted to my phone. So for me, it it would conflict because it's like, how can I be building this brand online when in a sense that means I have to be on my phone all the time? But then. If that's the case, then my relationship or real life relationships, not even just romantically, but in general would suffer because I'm a slave now to my phone because that's where my money comes from. And so once I kind of came to this realization, I was like, all right, Tatum, you have to be more strategic now with your marketing. And I also had to be real with myself to be like, your happiness means... You're your best self when you are able to just be present in your day to day life. When you're not addicted to your phones, you you think more clearly. You are more in tune with your own emotions. You are more in tune with the emotions and the things that is going on around you. You're happier because you're able to kind of soak in. In your blessings and really appreciate life as opposed to social media, which triggers that inner hustler in you. And so once I I realized that I was like, okay, Tatum, you got to figure something else out. You can't wait till you're 30 anymore because if by you saying that, that means that you're going to have to, you're saying that I'm going to wait until I'm 30 to, to improve my quality of life. Like it, it would make no sense for me to recognize that this is something that's that, significantly improves my life. And then for me to put it off for the sake of what, money? That's not, that's thats just not gonna work. You know what I mean? That's a small price to pay for me just being happy, and and I also thank God for this platform because I'm not even going to act like I don't have a privilege at this point of having a podcast that so many people all over the world listen to, to so where I do have the luxury of not wanting to be online or not having to do as much on social media because all I have to do is talk on talk for an hour a week and put it out, and it's so influential. And that's one of the things I definitely thank God for as well. And I appreciate you guys that listen to this show. I mean, I was I was looking at the numbers this morning and this podcast has just if I from this time last year, this podcast audience is up over like thousands of percent. Like it's it's ridiculous how much growth has happened over the last year or even how much growth has happened over the last month. And so it's one of those things, again, I just really thank God for, but I also can't be dependent on the podcast. I have to find other ways to engage my audience. And so that was really my my task or challenge to figure out. And that's something I'm definitely going to work on this week of, okay, now that you understand that, limiting your social media use has has provided an opportunity for you to do everything you said last week so now we living in what he said as opposed to what he what I see because and one of the reasons I'm able to do that is by limiting in social use okay Tatum now you got to Put your entrepreneur hat on, put your digital marketer hat on and figure out now how else can you be creative to sell and connect uh, with your audience without having to be online all the time or posting your every move on social media. So for you guys, again, that's listening. If this is something that you want to do. If you feel like, okay, I don't want to build a brand online, or if social media is your thing and that's the thing that you do want to focus on, I just ask that you ask yourself um, one question, two questions, and that's one make sure you have some type of marketing plan and that can be a whole episode in and of itself. That's not even what I, I wanna focus on today, but just make sure you have a, a marketing plan in place to where there is a return on investment of the time you are spending online. And then number two, stop to really think about what you want your life to look like and then make your business revolve around that. And that's something that a lot of people don't do, like I said, and that's something that uh, it makes us get into a space to where our business is nailed like a job because we're doing a bunch of things we don't want to do, as opposed to starting with the end in mind, starting with what you want your life to look like and then working backwards. So for me in that aspect, of course, I want to live my life offline. But in addition to that, I know that in the next few years, I want to have kids. So when I think about me having kids That's something that's very important to me, not for the sake of saying, not for the sake of just having beautiful babies, but there are things that God has been working on me with um, as it relates to like strongholds and generational curses in my family. So having kids is important to me because that means everything that I've experienced, everything that I've been praying against and been fasting for and all of the things that God has been doing and therapy and all of these other lanes for me in my life, that has to that stuff has to die with me. I don't want to raise kids and they talking about the same things that I've had to deal with generationally. I want generational blessings for my children as opposed to generational curses. And so that so with me thinking about having kids means that I have to I want to be very present. Now I want I have to be very present in my kids' lives in order to make sure that those things that I work so hard to die with my generation don't carry on. And for me that don't mean like monitoring everything they do or whatever, but I want to be so in tune with my kids that I can pray against them. So I may can see my daughter let's say if she's dealing with something like a low self-esteem or something like that, I can pray against that, that stuff and not necessarily talk to her about it, but really take those things to God. Or if, if I see that she's not attracting the right people for whatever reason, I can pray against that stuff. Or if there are certain gifts in her, or I keep saying her when it comes to my daughter, do- when it comes to kids. Cause I don't know, for some reason I feel like God is going to give me a daughter for a variety of different reasons, but um, when it comes to my kids, I can really, if I see like gifts or something in them, I can pray for those things so they so that those gifts can be manifested and I can, uh, build them up in certain ways. So all of this stuff I'm thinking about. So when it comes to my business now, it's like, how can I set myself up to be able to do that? For me, one of those things is definitely passive income because I can't just be, I, I, <sighs> I can't just feel like I'm not making money or I'm not contributing or I'm not doing something. So I have to make sure that my podcast is where it needs to be. Whatever else I decide to do marketing-wise is where it needs to be. Um, I have my passive income streams in place so that I'm making money while I'm asleep. So that while I'm doing all these things I want to do with my family, my business is running itself. So again, moving with the end in mind. I talk about on this show all the time. I wanna I probably said it more last year than this year, but I want to own a winery one day. That's kind of like my retirement goal is to buy a winery somewhere and just be chilling. I'll probably have like a um, a partner who sells the wine because I don't even think I want to get into the wine business just by myself. I might be a partner or something to where they are the experts in that. But I want to own a winery where I can just retire there and relax and live my best life and drink my Merlot and hang out with my friends and my grandkids or whatever. But that's a life goal for me. But I know that if that's something I want to do later on down the line, I'm going to need to have a lot of money for that because wineries are not cheap. Um, being able to produce wine on my property is not cheap. Like it's going to come with a lot of costs. So I need to make sure that I'm building wealth and things like that now to set myself up for then. So again, we really have to operate with the, the end in mind and allow that to determine what we do right now. Uh, but yeah, I don't know how all of that came from limiting social media use, but Hey, I hope that helps somebody in some way. But yeah, so one of the things I did this past week that really helped me was limiting social media use. Um, Number two was actually something that I didn't think was going to have that big of an impact on me. I changed, I made a slight adjustment with like the type of podcast I listen to. So if you look at my podcast app on my phone, it is the most diverse thing (laughs) you will ever see. Excuse me, it's, it's Ratchet, Yes, I mean I got everything from I listen to Brilliant Idiots, which is Charlemagne and this guy named Andrew Schultz's podcast. I listen to the Read, as does every young black person in the world. <laughs> Definitely listen to the Read. I listen to Oprah's Super Soul Conversation. I have a few church apps on there that I listen to sermons on. Of course, my podcast is on there. I listen to Sarah Jakes Roberts podcast before she went on sabbatical. Um, I just subscribe to Lovey and Yvonne Orgy's podcast, Jesus and Joloff, which is the funniest thing. I cannot listen to that show while I'm trying to do anything productive because they are whole fools. <laughs> but um, yeah, so my podcast palette is really diverse. And so, and it's 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 always based, as you can tell, on either entertainment or spirituality. But I wasn't really listening to much that fed me as far as business goes. And so um, my fiance sent me a podcast to listen to that he likes. And I listened to it and it was this white couple on there. They were wealthy. The wife was a coach, an accountability coach, and then the husband owned like some type of company. Um, I I think it was a security company or something like that. And so just listening to that conversation really opened up my eyes a lot because it showed me how limited I was to what I was exposing myself to on a day to day. So what I mean by that is these people were talking about wealth in a way that I wasn't listening to on a day-to-day basis. And so from listening to that podcast, I subscribed to another podcast uh, that he listens to. And it's a real estate podcast, it's called the Bigger Pockets Podcast. And so I started listening to a couple things from his recommendations. And I was just like, wow, it's so much information and it's so much stuff out there or content out there where people are talking about wealth building. and." I haven't been exposing myself to it. I've been kind of limiting what I listen to and watch based off of my primary interest, which is spirituality. Um, and then also I like to listen to podcasts as an escape from anything. So that's where the entertainment comes from because I get to just laugh at whatever kid fury and crystal are talking about as opposed to, um, listening to too much about business because I talk about business so much if that makes sense but with these podcasts now it was like okay we're not just talking about business or commentating on business we're talking about long-term building up wealth building up things that you can lead for your children's children building up things that not only make you wealthy right now but keep you wealthy in the long term and so I started replacing a lot of the things that I listen to or normally would listen to throughout the week with those things and I saw a significant difference in what I thought about. I thought I already was good on the long term, as I talked about. I thought I was already good as far as what I wanted to achieve out of life or the big picture or whatever. But just changing that small adjustment to what I listened to really put another battery in my back and listening to people's stories and how they've built all of this wealth at young ages and things like that was like wow, I haven't even been listening to this. I've Because I've been kind of in my bubble of what I like, I've been isolating myself from some things that could really help me, that I can apply what I've been working on within myself or my work ethic or whatever, I can apply that to these new tools that I'm learning from these podcasts and really make something of um, not just my life, but just really make something of everything that I do. So, yeah, just that small adjustment of changing what content I consume was really beneficial for me. So for you guys that's listening, if you find yourself listening to more entertainment, entertainment based things, I suggest adding something else in there, adding a podcast that's about financial management. Now, you probably will have to weed through some boring ones because I can't really imagine how interesting a podcast about financial literacy would be, but the right person can make it very interesting and relatable. So I I suggest searching for those and just finding whichever one appeals to you. Or if you're interested in building wealth, go to, let's say like the Bigger Pockets podcast, which is focused on real estate primarily, um, or any other podcast that talks about wealth building and start feeding yourself that information. Because I don't know, I, I think especially in like the black community, we focus a lot on riches and a lot of cash and a lot of flashy clothes and nice liabilities <laughs> as opposed to building assets i know even for me i don't come from um i don't come from like the hood or anything like that i grew up around money my i told you guys this before my mother was successful in network marketing so i grew up with a lot of money but not a lot of assets we had a lot of cash we had a lot of um liabilities um we've had cars and we went out to eat all the time at the nicest five star restaurants we've traveled to the nicest resorts i was used to you know a good quality of life but i didn't learn about wealth because at the on the same breath i also experienced what it was like to make a million dollars and lose it all and not be able to keep a million dollars so i've seen I've seen both sides of the spectrum. You know, I've been living in a hotel and also staying in five-star resorts. So seeing both sides of the, the spectrum, I was like, okay, having money is not new to me, but having wealth is something that is foreign to me. And understanding that about myself made me realize that the environment that I created, so what I maybe followed on social media or what. I listened to from podcast or whatever, a lot of it fed that cash, but not wealth. It fed that, uh, that having a lot of liabilities and not necessarily acquiring a lot of assets. It fed that in me. And so I was trying to break myself out of that. I'm like, okay you need to listen to more things that talk about wealth building as opposed to just things that continue to feed this mindset or this poverty mindset that just plagues our community. So again, for you guys, think about the areas that you wanna improve in, especially if you wanna be... Um, wealthy for the long term think about what what makes people wealthy for the long term or if you want to break certain habits within yourself just try to find things that speak to where you where you want to go and that's going to really aid you in what we talked about last week of living in what he said versus what you see and the last thing I did was I'm, I, I tried to make not tried but I made worship really a non-negotiable for my day to day. So I have songs, I'm going to make a playlist, I promise y'all, I'm gonna make a playlist. But um, I have songs that I just listen to, that take me to a place of gratitude and appreciation and worship for God and and what he has done in my life and what he's currently doing in my life. And that is just totally a, a game changer for me, or if I'm going somewhere, if I'm in the car, as opposed to listening to one of those entertainment podcasts, I can listen to like a worship, worship song, and kind of just talk to God on my way to wherever it is that I'm going. And that just puts me in a much better place for whoever I'm interacting with when I get to where I'm going, or it puts me in a much better place just even for myself. Um, to take throughout my days and it makes me be more appreciative of what's going on as opposed to focusing on what's not happening right now. So again, to recap, some more practical things that you can add that allows you to just improve your quality of life right now and, and focus on what God promised you versus what you see is one to limit social media use. Two, change some of the content that you consume. And then number three, make worship a non-negotiable. And yeah, so I'm going to end this right here. And then I'm going to come back and answer a couple questions. Before I answer questions, I just want to remind you guys one more time that my new book, my first book is available for pre-order right now, Blessed and Bossed Up, Surrendering Your Ambition So God Can Have His Way. It's available right now for pre-order at www.blessedembossedup.com. The first question says, hello, I'm currently the brand manager for a hairstylist slash salon and a nail tool creator. What recommendations do you have on branding? I also want to brand myself. So I'm looking for suggestions and a starting point. Also, any idea on trademarking a name slash company? Okay, so if you are the brand manager for a stylist in a salon, do whatever's working for that on yourself but it also depends on what you're trying to brand yourself as are you branding yourself as a brand manager so that you can potentially get more clients for that if so then you should definitely make sure that um you are branding yourself as an expert on creating a brand. Now, the thing about branding is a brand is pretty much your businesses or your reputation. So you're going to have a brand regardless. So it's your job as the curator of that brand or the manager of that brand to make sure that the story that's being told about the company or the person is the one that you want to be told. So if you're branding yourself, then... And again, using the scenario of you're branding yourself as a brand manager, then. All of your branding has to be on point. You have to be your first client. Your messaging needs to be on point. Your visuals need to be on point. All of that stuff, because people are going to be looking to you as an example of what your work is. But in addition to that, you have to prove that you are an expert. So since you already technically have a client in this stylist and salon, really make sure you're quantifying what it is that you're doing. So how does... What is the return on investment of you managing this person's brand? How much money were they making before? Um, you became their brand manager versus after. How much did you increase their business? If so, then you need to be using those as case studies, testimonials, content, etc., to position yourself as the expert. Um, let's take the salon for an example. If you are bringing traffic into the salon, whether it be new stylists that are working there or new clientele that's walking into the salon as a, as a result of what it is that you're doing with the brand, you need to quantify that so that you can be able to talk about about it. So it's branding yourself again, your brand is your reputation. So you're going to have a brand regardless. Now you just have to make yourself your own client and make sure that your messaging is on point, your visuals are on point, and that you are quantifying what it is that you're able to do so that you can get more branding clients and also identify who your target audience is. And the more niche, the better. So let's say you are, you want to focus on stylists or salons in the beauty industry that's a great place or a great industry to be a brand manager for because now you can tell salon owners whether it's nail salons or hair salons or makeup studios or whatever you can tell these places specifically hey i'm a brand manager for the beauty industry and these are the results of me taking on the uh branding of these these salons or whatever or hairstylists and here's how much money i can make you this is how i can increase the traffic in your salon this is how my brand strategies uh increase your your bottom line excuse me so again just make sure that you're able to quantify once you're able to get results and you have proven results then you will be fine. And also get lots of testimonials of people singing your praises to um to just further verify everything else that you're putting out there. Now you had a question, of, you said that you were a nail tool creator. Now, if you created something that is unique, I suggest you get a patent on it. And this is something, I swear, once I invent something, y'all ain't gonna be able to tell me nothing. Because if you can get a patent on whatever this nail tool is that you've done, you now are able to license out this tool or whatever to make way more money than you would have made if you were like selling it direct to consumer. This is where I think a lot of people don't think big enough as it relates to business. And I I was thinking the other day, I was like, so we know we see a lot of people since we're talking about the beauty industry, we see a lot of people doing like lash classes or Um, microblading classes for eyebrows there's always something new and my question always is well who invented this and if they and for whoever invented it why didn't they patent this a patent is like you can you can patent a process or a invention and so um what that means is nobody else can do this microblading technique because you've patented patented it and if they do you can sue them and make them stop. So I just don't understand. And once you have something proprietary, which means something that somebody else can't duplicate, then you're able to really take that out there and make money. So if you have this nail tool creator, right, or this, you've created this nail tool and you have a patent on it, so now nobody else can create this, this particular thing. Now you can go to all of the salons, um, not all of the salons, but you can go to salons and they purchase a large purchase order of these nail tools as opposed to you trying to just post online or um, post on social media or whatever for individuals to buy them. Now, instead, you can sell larger quantities to these nail salons and then they're going to have to keep buying more because sanitation purposes. So, again, once you have something that's proprietary, then you are really in business. And for anybody that's listening, you have to create something, whatever you create, if it's new. And it hasn't been done before or you have a unique process that hasn't been done before or hasn't been patented before, then I highly suggest you do that. It's a very expensive thing to do, but it's so worth it because you would make all of that money back and then some if you do this the correct way. The perfect example I like to give of this is whoever invented the sister lock method. Now, um, I've been contemplating getting locks after my wedding. It's something that I want to do. I'm just tired of hair. And so I was thinking about doing sister locks because my sister has them and I think they're so beautiful. Now, when it comes to sister locks, somebody created and they trademarked the name. So they named it sister locks, trademarked the name, and they they patented the process. So in order for you to do sister locks, You need to be certified, a a certified sister lock technician. Now, in order to get certified, who do you have to go to? The person who created this, right? So now this person is not only making, they're not just making money off of the heads they do. They are making money from training people to get this certification um, and then whatever else is, I don't know if the certification you need to pay dues or whatever, like whatever that process is for them. But by making this thing proprietary, now they've kind of locked down this whole technique. So let's say if somebody did this for microblading, they could lock down this whole microblading technique. So all of these people that you see doing it, they can shut them down because now they've had this piece of paper from the government that says that only they can do this. So I highly suggest, again, if you created a nail tool and it's able to be patented, or if if anybody out there has a certain process or an invention, you get that patented because that would just... That is a game changer for your business. Once you have something proprietary, you can take that to an investor, let's say, and they can help you get licensing deals for it. And also that's a lesson for any of you guys who are doing stuff. Or selling things that um, are already trademarked or patented. So, is if you go to uspto.gov, which is the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, you can search to see what is patented or trademarked. So, I highly suggest you do that before, let's say, you start selling shirts or anything that's using words or phrases that's trademarked by somebody else. Because one, they're going to send you a cease and desist letter and shut all of that down because you can't do that. Um, and two. You now don't have anything left for your own particular business. So again, you guys, if you have invented something, get that thing patented. Yes, it costs a lot of money. Figure out how to make that work. But having something proprietary in your business is huge, especially if you are an inventor or creator of some sort. Um, also, you asked about trademarking the name in the company. So I trademarking is an investment. I tried to trademark Black Girl Boss when that was the podcast name and lost $800. There's a few factors that went into that. One, because um, it conflicted according to the government and conflicted with the Girl Boss brand. But I also feel like it was just God really like, didn't I tell you that you need to change this podcast anyway <laughs> type of thing. So um, it is what it is. Money go- comes, money goes. I'm not tripping off of the money lost, but that's just an example of, um, how expensive a trademark can be. And I think that was only trademarking it in two categories. So let's say you wanted to trademark something in the apparel category and the, uh, let's say technology category, whatever the categories are, it's a certain cost per category. So trademarking can definitely be expensive. And if you use a trademark attorney, it will cost even more, of course. So I say all that to say, make sure that you're married to a particular name before you trademark it Now there are some names that I talk to people who have businesses And I'm like you need to trademark that Because it's so catchy And I'm like you need to lock that down Like a stop. But other things like or it's just your business name So I want to trademark it It may not be worth the money Because a lot. it's also possible for you to do business As a different name than what your business is on paper So my business name on paper Is T. Harrison Consultant I don't advertise myself as t harrison consulting that's just my business name but i do business as something else so it's just doing business as name is a dba name but you don't really have to trademark your business name that's just what you're called when it comes to the government Um, but yeah i hope that answered your question i'm going to do let's see how much time we got left okay so i'm gonna do one more question and this one is a little bit long So she's and this question is about friendships. So she says, hey, Tatum, first of all, I have to I've got to love up on you for a second. Oh, thank you. So she says a bunch of nice things. I'm not even going to bore y'all with that. But thank you, thank you, thank you. That definitely brightened my day with the first part. But she says, I work in an industry where there is a lot of cattiness and pettiness. I've always worked to take the high road, especially when it comes to my morality and the work I produce. I hustle for years and I say in 2018, God has really shown out by finally giving me this huge platform where I can make impact on hundreds of thousands of people. There were a lot of people who dismissed me early in my career, who I sit in the same rooms with and they will smile in my face and I will later see something where they are shady or dismissive of me. I used to stress myself out wondering why people didn't like me or respect me as if my journey wasn't enough, but I began finding peace within myself so I could honestly say I hadn't done anything to people. And even when I extended helping hand, it was their choice and not mine. Now, one of the things I've struggled with almost my entire life is friendships. While I do work extremely hard, I feel like the friendships I have, especially with women, are quite surface level. Within my team at work, there are two other black women, one of which is my work mentor and the other is my manager. I have a good relationship with both, although I find that even when, hold on, y'all. Oh, I find that even then, all of the black girls congregate and I'm not, and I'm a bit of an afterthought. Thankfully, everyone is nice to each other, but I see my manager run and dish with the interns and won't do the same with me. I even go to social events and push myself out of my comfort zone to stay out my head. I've prayed and fasted multiple times throughout my life, asking God to reveal to me what is within me that could be making these relationships so and have even asked for feedback from trusted friends and family. Nobody has an idea, and God honestly hasn't shown me anything. It's not an ins- issue of respect or even availability. People just won't invite me to things or involve me in activities, bar the first ones to cheer under an IG post if I hit some huge achievement or get some accolade. I honor my gifts and have dedicated them as well as my being to God's mission for my life. And I just know that he has something big in store for me. I have great friends in my life, but I just wish I didn't have to feel so alone the majority of the time. I guess my question is, if you've ever been in a similar struggle, or what would you suggest for me either biblically or just of mind, body and spirit, I sometimes feel like I'm the person who nobody cared about. But when they died, everyone's at the funeral saying how great they were. Okay, so with this question, usually I can answer questions on the fly, but this one I really had to spend some time with. And the reason being is because I got so much, I had so many feelings as I was reading this that I had to really write them down. So I'm just going to kind of go through my thoughts on this one. So when I was reading it, at first I was trying to figure out if you were introverted or extroverted cuz a lot of times introverts we may ask the questions of or we may ask questions like this because it is hard for us to get out of our comfort zone a lot of times to go and meet people or whatever but then at the, but at the same time introverts are very much so comfortable by themselves so you seem to be uncomfortable by yourself and so then I was thinking well maybe she's an extrovert but then From what I know about extroverts and the extroverts that I know personally, meeting people isn't necessarily the problem, but getting those non-surface level friendships may be more of an issue because they're just so chatty and outgoing. But as I was trying to, I guess, figure you out based off of the question, what I kind of got was it really seemed like you're not comfortable with yourself. And I don't want to say that to be offensive, but it just seems like through your word choice that you are really beating yourself up. So like even like you talk about how um, your your manager or whomever might go and chop it up with the interns or the black people in the office may hang out with each other. And it seems like you're an afterthought. Or you may say that the the word is, or the phrase, it seems like is what really stands out to me because you're basing your feelings off of an assumption. So at, at first you say the manager and, or pretty much the other two black people in the office, um, they congregate and you're a bit of an afterthought. Like that's an assumption. You don't know if you're an afterthought or not. Or you say that your manager will run to dish with the interns and won't do the same with you. That can simply just be a difference of relationship. You know what I mean? It just seems like, I I don't understand why your perception or reaction to these events seems to always be negative or turn into some way for you to put yourself down. So a lot of this loneliness that you're feeling based off of what you said is self-inflicted. So I would ask you in response to this question of why, what's in it, like what's going on with you? Like, is there what is triggering this sense of uh, loneliness within you? Like, why are you comparing yourself and your relationships with people to how they interact with others? Especially when you said that everybody is nice. So it's not like people are being rude and disrespectful. You said that everybody is um, nice to each other and things like that. So what's really going on within you that makes you feel a certain type of way when you see something? I think that this is... Not necessarily a difficulty of something external, but more so of something that's going on within you. Like if is there something that happened in your childhood that that makes you feel like an outcast? Because that's that's the word that really comes to mind. I feel like you feel like an outcast, but I feel like you're putting that title onto yourself because you said, um, you also said that you go to social events to put yourself out of your comfort zone. So, when you're at these social events, how do those go? Are you talking to these people? Are you putting yourself out there or are you kind of standing off on your own and waiting for somebody to come and talk to you? Or in those moments are you still feeling like an outcast like Really try to debunk what it is that you're feeling because to me, based off of what you're saying, it feels like, or it seems as if, you're really putting yourself down. Even when you went down to your prayer, you said that I prayed and fasted multiple times throughout my life asking God to reveal to me what is within me that could make be making these relationships. so. And for you to even pray and ask God what's wrong with me it makes me, it, it just further proves my point of you really putting yourself down. And so I really, my prayer for you, if I'm, aside from the friendship thing, My prayer for you really is for you to identify what is this thing within me that makes me feel like such an outcast? Why do I feel like whenever somebody talks to somebody else and they don't talk to me the same way that I start to feel down about myself? Why do I feel like nobody cares about me right now? Really figure out what those things are so that you can work through them and be more comfortable being by yourself so that your relationships can be that much more fulfilling. One thing that I've learned from any friendship that I've had where the person wasn't really comfortable being by themselves was that they brought that same level of insecurity to the friendship. As opposed to when I connect with people who are confident and and secure by themselves, they bring so much more value to the relationship because they're whole individuals. So it just goes back to you have to be whole as a person before you can have a fulfilling relationship. And that applies to friendships. You know, friendships are supposed to be this mutually beneficial ordeal where you guys can support each other, build each other up and get to those not so surface level things that you're seeking. But in order for you to do that, you have to work on yourself so that you can be confident and um, in those friendships, because if you don't, what will happen is you'll become friends with somebody and then you become codependent on that friendship. So then you feel like, oh my gosh, if if this person leaves me or if our friendship falls apart or if we're not friends anymore, then I'm right back to being the outcast as opposed to you being like, hey, I'm good by myself. Like y'all can talk to everybody in the office and not talk to me. I'm happy and fine by myself. Yes, I would like more meaningful relationships in this office or I would like more meaningful, meaningful relationships in general. But for right now, until God sends me those people, I am content. I'm good with just me and God or just me. Um. Yeah, just me and God. I'm good until he sends me those people. So I really want you to get to that level of confidence. And so I am going to touch on the friendship things and give you my thoughts. But I really just had to say that first that I I pray that you identify those things. I'm always an advocate for like therapy and things like that. So I suggest if this is something that you don't even know where to start. As far as identifying what makes you feel like an outcast, I highly suggest that you pray about that um, and also go to therapy because therapy will really give you a practical way to identify what's going on within yourself. Um, But after you identify what that thing is within yourself that's making you feel so down... Um, Then you can pray and ask God to send you the right friendships, you know, the people that's going to add value to your life and um, that you can add value to their lives as well. I can relate uh, to the desire of having less surface level friendships. I know for me personally personally. I compartmentalize my friends in a sense to where I have friends for certain things. So I have friends who I will go hang out with, like we'll go to concerts together. We'll go do fun stuff and, and party or whatever. I have those friends. Um, I have friends who are, business friends, so where we can mastermind and talk about like business ideas with, I can talk about things I'm going through business wise and things like that, and they get it. But for me, something that I'm realizing in this season of my life in particular, is that the, car- the compartmentalizing way that I've handled friendships in the past may not necessarily be the best way for me to move forward. Um, when it comes to friendships. So for example, yes, I have friends that I've accumulated over the years. Like a lot of my close friends, I've been friends with since like middle school. So I have friendships that have lasted a long time. And over the years, of course, we grow and we become different people. So some things we can still connect with and some things we may not be able to connect with anymore. Um, it And then a lot of my friends too have, have or a lot of my personal friends have jobs, you know, and a lot of them may not be making the money they want to make or whatever. So the conversations are a little bit different than let's say my entrepreneur friends who are all talking about like wealth or business or whatever. But for me, I know moving into this season of my life and where God is taking me, I'm going to need more uh, friendships that encompass all of the, the parts of me. So I'm going to, I've been really praying specifically for God to send me people who are married, who are entrepreneurs, who are Christian and who are just committed to being their best self and so that's those are the people that I'm looking for because those are the people that I can be able to call and maybe be like my husband is getting on my nerves but I still got to go speak right uh, uh tomorrow or whatever the people who would just understand or I may say you know I'm stepping out on faith in something that God has called me to do but I'm afraid who could just be like all right hold on I'm about to pray with you right quick and pray with me right over the phone or pray for me consistently with me asking so I know for me there there is there are certain friendships that I, I need at this moment that I don't have but I'm also not feeling away about it it's one of those things where I'm going to pray for God to send me the person that he knows that I need or the people that he knows that I need um, in my life as far as friendship goes I'm going to still have the friends that I have because I love them and they are there for me you know what I mean so It's one of those things is I'm submitting that to God. And when he sends me those people, I'll make sure my discernment is on an all time high. So I'm making sure that it's God sending me people and not the devil sending me people to mess my life up. And that'll be that. But I'm able to do that and not really trip off of anything because of the confidence that I have in myself. I know that yes, I may want certain uh, friendships at a certain level or have friendships that are a little bit deeper than the ones that I may have. But at the same time, I can still be all those, all of those things for myself, I can still get on my knees and go to war and prayer for myself, you know, I could still do all of these things. And I know that God has my back. So I'm not really tripping off of not having these things. But that's just a security that I have from therapy, from prayer, from fasting, from reading my Bible, from growth, from accepting a lot of things that I don't like about myself and working on fixing those to work to identify things that are making me the way that I am that I need to change like all of this internal work is what got me to be whole and comfortable by myself but that's why I'm, I'm telling you that you should do the exact same thing because that's just going to make you better not for anybody else but for you and um, yeah so that's just my advice to you and the root of it is to really just work on yourself and then after you do all of that um, be more aggressive about having those friendships. There have been people that I've met that I would be like, wow, I want to get to know them a little bit better. Not saying we're going to be friends yet because my discernment is very good. And I also like to fill people out and just and pay a lot of attention to them before I let them into my personal space. Because um, I want to see how you're treating the friends you already got before I let you be my friend. Because if we sit down and you talking about such and such and that's supposed to be a homegirl We don't need to be friends because you you can't even sit down and talk and not talk about somebody that you say that you were your friend. So what makes me feel like what makes me think that you're not going to do that to me? So I just like to feel people out in that way. But whenever I want to get to know somebody, then I make the initiative to do that. So there was, let's say, one of my jobs that I had, it was me and one other black girl. And I've always been an introvert. So keeping to myself is my thing. I'm good by myself, but people have always been drawn to me. So it was for me, it was always the sense of somebody inviting me somewhere or trying to talk to me or whatever, for whatever reason. But um, at this particular job, it was only one other black girl. And it was this group of white girls um, who were all friends. And so they would always invite me to eat lunch with them. And I would always be like, bruh, like no offense, but I really don't want to be hearing about cucumber sandwiches and all of this stuff. And I'm not even saying that y'all to be like shady or prejudiced. They were really talking about cucumber sandwiches. This was a whole conversation. And so I'm like, I don't want to, to sit here and be talking to y'all because now I feel like I got a code switch. I'm trying to to fit into this corporate environment. Y'all getting on my nerves or like the topic of race might come up. Like it was just too much. I, I just, me in this group, I, in my mind, I was like, Lord, I need something else cuz this little group of white girls is not working for me. But anyway, it was another black girl at the at the office. And so I'm like, I want to talk to her because at the very least, we got something in common and I don't and at the very least I can kind of exhale and not be as putting on this corporate persona. I can just be myself and see, you know, and get to know her and see what's up with her. So um yeah but the the other black girl she didn't eat lunch with the group of white girls. So I'm like, I got to get out of this. How am I going to break out of this without them looking at me like, "Oh, Tatum's being mean" or whatever. So um I had basically went to the girl one day. I I saw her in the I don't know. We were somewhere in the office and I was like, "Hey, what are you doing for lunch today?" And she was like, "Um, I brought something or whatever." I was like, oh, "Cool, do you want to eat lunch together?" And she was like, "Yeah." I was like, "Okay, what time are you eating?" So she told me. So, for lunch, we ate lunch together and we became cool. We were just talking about whatever, but we were able to relate to each other and we became cool by just doing that. Or even at my my last job, I told you how I met my told you guys how I met my fiance. This wasn't yeah it it turned out to be a romantic relationship and I was interested in him past that but it's just an example of tr- when you want to get to know somebody you take the initiative to do that to build the relationship so like with him um I noticed that he would eat breakfast in the office so I would just go and eat breakfast and talk but even if it wasn't it wasn't somebody the opposite sex or if it was just another person in the office that I thought was cool and wanted to, to chop it up with or get to know them a little bit then I would do the exact same thing just take the initiative to speak and say what's up or I'll be like um, or I might say hey you want to go get coffee? And me and a coworker might walk to Starbucks and get some coffee. But that's just an opportunity for us to chop it up and get to know each other. And then if a relationship builds off of that, then that's what it is. But I was always willing to reach out, you know, or be the, I wouldn't say be the aggressor, but Just extend the open hand as opposed to waiting for somebody to come and talk to me, you know, because by doing that, you initiate the conversation, you guys have things in common. And then again, you build a relationship naturally by doing that. So for you, after you work on all that internal stuff, pray, ask God to send you people um, the right friendships. But as far as navigating just the workplace and having those, those fun coworker relationships, don't be afraid to go and talk to them or get up and be like, what you guys talking about? Insert yourself in a conversation or whatever and see what happens from there. But I honestly don't believe that it is the way that you may be saying it is as far as there's something wrong with you or people are treating you differently or or you being this outcast. I, I really think that that's something that you're a picture that you're painting that you're painting and putting on yourself. So that's it for today's episode of the podcast. If you want to submit a question, go to blessedandbossedup.com. Click on the ask a boss tab to submit your question. Or you can always email me um, at Tatum at TatumTamiya.com. And I will talk to you guys next week.